This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Sunday, September 29th. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Ryan Duffy. And there is no Matt this week and for the next uh, couple episodes because he's he's infiltrating, I mean, visiting the yes. United Kingdom. Yeah. Um, not on the behest of Trump. No. And, and nor is it at our behest to, no. to infl- I mean, visit the United Kingdom and our, our friends over at the uh, Two Skeptical Chaps podcast. Yeah. You gave him the kill switch, right? Or should I say podcast? Poot. Podcast. I'm Podcast. Gonna, I'm, I'll fuck that up if I try to I'll, say something. Funny. I will fuck it up too. I'm not. I'm not too good at the British. Well, some things I can say with a decent British accent, but I can't just walk around doing it. Doing it. No. Feel feel weird doing it. Uh, I I tried to emulate Spike once. Oh yeah. Um, I cannot do a South African accent. I really to save dig my the South life. African accent. It's really cool, but I cannot. I can't do it. I think my two favorite accents are New Zealand and South yeah. Africa. I think they they sound quite a bit similar. They, they are a bit similar for sure. I like I like how the Kiwis drive everything out more like the Australians. Yeah, it's and it's just fun to listen to. I've I've met a Kiwi once uh-huh. on a camping trip, uh-huh. and I said, "Are you from Australia?" And he got really <laughs> offended by that. <laughs> really didn't like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And English people and Australians also get upset when you mix up if they're from Australia yeah. or England. I know that from firsthand experience. But people can always guess that I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Do they ever say Minnesota? I've gotten Minnesota. Like, the mixed question like, hey, are you from like Minnesota or Wisconsin? Like, yeah, I'm from Wisconsin. <laughs> I wonder, how could you tell? How could you tell I was from Wisconsin? Like, Did you see me eating cheese? Was like, I murdering somebody? I, I didn't apologize for anything. I didn't say sorry. Trying to wear somebody's skin. Is that what it was? Was that it? Did, well, that, did that give it away? It was Halloween. <laughs> Halloween's coming up, man. It is. I like this time of year. It's fucking cold today. Yeah. What's it, the high today? Like 51, I think, is I the think, projected high for Salt Lake. I, I think my car said it's only in the 40s on the way down. Yeah. Yeah, and it's chilly. Can't even see the fucking mountains. Yeah. We put a window in the fan on chilly A, a window in the fan? Or, or sorry, a fan in the window. Thank you. <laughs> we, put a, we put a fan in the window on chilly evenings to draw air into our bedroom. Yeah. I woke up this morning and it was fucking cold <laughs> in my bedroom, man. It was like 45 degrees in my yeah. bedroom. It was chilly. Yeah, I get the little... I like it though. It's that it's that time of year, but the but the thing I don't like now Mm. is fall is going to come and go like really quick. Yeah, it it arrived and it'll be here for like two or three weeks, and then we'll move into winter. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that. (laughs) Seems seems to be the case here in Utah lately. Mm. Well, what uh, what have you been doing, man? Well, all the Hispanic heritage stuff I was doing with that work is finally over with, and that stresses off my shoulder oh good uh the only negative thing was on tuesday i get a phone call from one of the people on base mm-hmm. and 
she and I answered the phone. She goes, Ryan, you won't believe it. Our our speaker backed out, and I'm like, you'll be fucking kidding oh, no. me. She was fucking with me. <laughs> did you have uh, Did you have a moment of panic? I did because we'd had six speakers back out already, and we had oh, gotten no. this speaker like three weeks ahead of time. Uh-huh. Like it was supposed to be three months ago, mm-hmm. but they kept backing out. So just other commitments or what? Other commitments or they Googled where Dugway was and said, fuck, I ain't going there. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not driving out to the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, last week I said I had that, a doctor's appointment for Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong Monday. Oh. So I showed up and they're like, we don't have you on here. I'm like, I, I'm at the right place. They're like, oh, you're next Monday, the 30th. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm like, I just like being early. <laughs> what was this appointment for again? Just uh, just getting a doctor for the first time. Oh, yeah. Just like to... a family practitioner doctor yeah. to head off anything that might come my way. Yeah. Instead of just doing my yearly physical, which basically makes sure my heart doesn't explode while firefighting. Yeah. Well, that's a so, good idea. Yeah. Set up, set up uh, visits with somebody that you'll go and see regularly. Yeah. And... That will learn and know your medical history and all, all that right. kind of stuff. I thought, you know, I should do an adult thing. <laughs> you adulted so hard this week. I, I'm trying. <laughs> um, anything else? Uh, just making more stuff on the lathe. Oh yeah, you brought yeah. me. So Ryan brought me a handmade pen today that yep. is super fucking cool. Yeah, I like it very much. Thank I you. like the. I like that it looks like marbly and it's really cool, man. Yeah, it's a it's a mixture of epoxy and wood. I like it so, so much. I'm having a lot of fun experimenting with that kind of stuff now. Yeah. So I got way more ideas in my head. Just, nice. just need the time. <laughs> uh I've just been wrapped up in work and show editing and debate prep this week primarily. Um I'm, I'm less anxious about the debate, but I'm still very anxious about it. And Greg is the heavy hitter. Dr. Clark is mm-hmm. the, is the heavy hitter on this one because he's super fucking smart. And so he's going to do the opening. I will do the rebuttal. And then we're going, we're, we're planning on splitting the close. And so that should be fun. The way it works is that we'll, each side will have a 15 minute opening mm-hmm. statement, a 10 minute rebuttal from each side. And then I believe there's a five minute bathroom break and then we come back and do 15 minutes of cross-examination each side and then our five minute closing for each side. And then I think there's 15 minutes for audience questions. Is, so. I mean, is there an open discussion format in there between you guys where you get to go back and forth at all? Or? Yeah, the cross-examination is, section. Okay, so it'll be a half hour of each side get, asking go, the okay. other questions in okay. total. Yeah, so that should be interesting. I'm I'm guessing they're going to ask questions like, well, why don't... You know, if, if on the atheist worldview, why aren't you just out murdering people and and what does it matter? Well, you know, why does abortion matter? Why does murder matter? Why do any of these things matter? Because we're all just bags of protoplasm bashing into each other. and uh... Which are really fucking dumb ways to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then it's like, okay, so you're telling me that you need. Uh, spaceless, timeless, immortal, incorporeal, invisible sky wizard telling you what to do to not be a terrible fucking person. Well, that's on you for being a shitty fucking person without somebody telling you not to be. So I don't know. It's the whole presuppositionalist bullshit really bothers me. Had I known that they were precepts, I may not have agreed to do the debate initially, but I don't know. It's, it's just such an intellectually dishonest way 
It's a, it's an intellectually dishonest method of argumentation. And I, I honestly kind of wonder what these guys, cause they seem like they're traveling debaters mm-hmm. for the Christian side. Yep. Um, that they intentionally go and be like, Hey, do you have something that can debate us in your area? Mm-hmm. in three weeks. <laughs> well, I guess that they had reached out to Greg a while ago. Okay. And then they were looking for somebody else to, to fill in the spot with him and they couldn't find anybody. And then I guess eventually just reached out to atheists of Utah. Okay. And then they asked me and I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and then I learned who these guys were and I was like, ah, gross. These guys friend. are just... It's the lowest order of argumentation coming from, I mean, white is obviously uh, an intellectual person. Like he's, he's an intelligent person, but he's put on these blinders, right? That, well, I can only view the world this way because this is the, this is how the Bible says I have to view the world. And so I'm going to just brush off anything that, that, you know, doesn't fit within this specific framework. It's, I don't know, I, I, it would be great if he applied his intellectual abilities toward a more noble pursuit than defending a book of bullshit. Like actually going, okay, I'm going to go in this with no bias and look at this and research it and be not, that doesn't make sense. Be like, okay, where do the facts lead me? Mm -hmm. What is truthful about this and what isn't truthful? Yeah. Well, and that's just it is that they don't, they don't start from a position of having a null hypothesis. It's, I believe the Bible is true. Now, what information can I find to confirm confirm it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is not. And anything that I find that runs counter to that, I'm just going to dismiss as being, you know, outside of my worldview. So I can't even really examine it. I won't, I won't even really look at it or consider it because it, it doesn't fit within the narrow framework that I've defined and allowed myself to explore. It's frustrating. So they better not say to you, well, you don't have an open mind, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm, I'm so closed minded because I will, you know, think about and accept and, and allow competing ideas regardless of their source Mm -hmm. to enter my brain and contemplate them and decide, and then, you know, figure out what is valid. What is a, what is a good piece of evidence? What, what makes sense? And, you know, that I will allow all of that to come in means that I'm closed-minded somehow. Okay. I mean, I've I've had beliefs or thoughts I've held on to that have changed. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the biggest ones on the show where I'm like, yeah, whenever I feel sick, I drink a lot of orange juice. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel better. <laughs> like, well, I guess really it doesn't do anything to me. It just... I drink orange juice. It's a lot of calories, a lot of two, sugar. Two, might, or th- two or three days later, I'm better. It's might like, bring on uh, type 2 diabetes, but... Yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. That could, that could happen. That's a, that's a unseen consequence of drinking just tons of orange juice. But yeah, so I had debate prep with Greg yesterday, uh, spent a few hours with him. Um, and his opening is awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, to seeing it play out on stage. That should be fun. It'll be a little controversial, I think in some circles. Um, I have a few, (laughs) but it'll be, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't, you know, I haven't written down exactly what I'm going to say yet because I'm still organizing my thoughts and and figuring all of that out. And you don't, I mean, you can't really pre-write a rebuttal anyway, because you should be responding to things that That they've said. 
So that's going to make it a little tricky because, you know, what I'm basically doing is just organizing thoughts about, you know, what I think they may say or questions they may ask. And then you've got to shuffle those around. It's Or are you, are you just going to kind of have like a canned list of like, hey, if they hit this, boom, that's my response to that. That's my response to that. Basically, basically. Um, but who knows what the hell they're going to say once yeah. they get up there. And so it's an, it's important that you be able to listen and understand what they're saying and then provide a response to it. And you can't, you know, unless you know exactly what they're going to say, you yeah. can't really rewrite a, or pre-write a rebuttal. But I think we can pre-write our closings and yeah. watching Greg's opening yesterday was, was a treat. I wish I had recorded <laughs> it. Actually, he and I both wish that we had recorded it. Um, I had my, phone out just using it as a stopwatch yeah. to see how long it was going to run and it was really good i you know we exchanged some ideas and tips back and forth and should be a good time it'll be thursday so yes. less than a week away and it's, it'll be a learning experience either way like i like i've said i'm i'm gonna learn either way so that should be good did you take that whole day off or no i did not take the whole day off uh because i get off work at well I'm supposed to get off work at 2.30, okay. but I usually work much later than that. Um, so I'll just, I'll have to do, you know, just my regular eight hours yeah. <laughs> during the day instead of 10 well, That's why I didn't know if you would take the day off to mentally just go over stuff. and But then sometimes if you go over stuff too much, it just stresses you out too. Yeah. It's, you gotta, it's, it's kind of a tight wire to walk between you know, trying, trying to make sure that you've got all of your bases covered. And then it just, it ends up opening new cans of worms that you start exploring and heading down those rabbit trails. And it's like, I, I've been trying to narrow my focus more and, uh, figure out the best way of expressing my yeah. viewpoint on different questions that they may ask or and you rebutting said, the things that they've said. You said they're going first, right? Yes. Which helps you out a lot because they go first. You have time to get your notes together while Greg is doing his thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they, they do their opening and then Greg will do our opening and then they provide a rebuttal to his opening okay. and then, or yeah, they provide a, a rebuttal to his opening and then I'll provide a rebuttal to their opening. Oh, and wow. then the other thing too, is that I don't know which of them is going to speak first or if they're going yeah. to split the time or, or what the case may be. So. It may be that both of them get up there, that they split the opening, and then it turns into this gish gallop of both of them throwing out all of these various talking points and stuff like that. So, I don't know. There's a lot to try to prepare for, and we'll see. After, well, just have to see how it goes. Yeah. I've been told that it'll be recorded and available for uh, release within one to two weeks after the debate. So okay. Once that's posted, I will be sure that I share links around to it, um, and I'm sure next week we'll... We'll have a talk little debate, it. a post-debate sure. wrap up and talk about it a little bit. Did you want to see if Greg wanted to join us Sunday? Oh yeah, I should do that. If he wanted to come, since yeah. Matt won't be here. Yeah. Have Greg come in here and. Yeah. Well, geez, I'm wondering if it would be good to have him come in after the debate or once the clip is available and we can go through. No, it'll be good to have him right after the debate. While just kinda, still fresh in your guys' heads. Yeah. Just kind of rehash what went, what went down, how, how we viewed our performances yeah. and their performances and stuff like that. And that's what it is too. I mean, a lot of it is just a performance. You yeah. Know, you're, you're trying to sway people to your side and, and just, 
you know, reading from text isn't really going to do anything to help you. You have to, you have to have a bit of a stage presence. Which I think Greg is going for. Yes. Yes. It will be, <laughs> it'll be a lot of fun. I didn't tell you, I didn't tell you one other thing that Uh-oh. he is contemplating that I think would be kind of cool. Well, so we'll talk about that off air in the okay. break. Um, and we'll be back with some more in just a minute. Okay. Hi, this is Christine Stenquist with Truce, together for responsible use in cannabis education. If you're interested in medical cannabis in Utah, follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truce Utah. If you're interested in donating to our awesome nonprofit, go to truceutah.org. And thank you so much for listening to the Godless Revolution podcast. You know what I was thinking about today? I was thinking about those street gangs they have down in Los Angeles, those Crips and those Bloods. And I was thinking about that bunch of new laws I came up with in the 1980s, I think it was, to combat those street gangs, those Crips and those Bloods. And if I remember rightly, the gist of what those new laws were saying was, if you join one of these gangs and you're running with them, and down the block one night, unbeknownst to you, one of your fellow Crips or your fellow Bloods shoot up a place, or stab a guy, well then, even though you may not know nothing about it, and even though you may have just been standing on a street corner minding your own business, what these new laws said was, you're still culpable. You're still culpable by the very act of having joined those Crips and those Bloods in the first place. Which got me thinking, Father, that whole type of situation is kind of like you church boys, ain't it? You got your colors, You got your clubhouse. You're, for want of a better word, a gang. And if you're upstairs smoking a pipe and reading your Bible while one of your fellow gang members is downstairs fucking an altar boy, well, father, just like those Crips and just like those Bloods, you're culpable because you joined the gang, man. I don't care if you never did shit and you never saw shit and you never heard shit. You joined the gang. You're culpable. And when a person is culpable to alter boy fucking or any kind of boy fucking, because I know you guys didn't really narrow that down, then you kind of forfeit the right to come into my house and say anything about me or my life or my daughter or my billboards. So why don't you just finish up your tea there, Father, and get the fuck out of my kitchen. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. All right, so there's another thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit. I'm just, I'm springing this on Ryan. He yeah, has, I have he has no, no clue idea. what's coming. Luckily, it's not about you at all. Oh, so. good. <laughs> <laughs> not about you, not about the show or anything. Um, my, my, my son's birthday is coming up next month. It'll be... He's, he's, his birthday is October 21st and there's always some anxiety and tension at any of our family events where my father and grandmother mm-hmm. are also attending because it's, you know, who's, whose house is it going to be at? Who's going to be there? And then there's the added tension of one of my children, you know, being, uh, being, well, they're both members of the LGBTQ community. Gray is bisexual. Um, Lydia is a member of the trans community. And my father and grandmother are both very LDS. Yeah. We've, we've talked about 
some of my father's weird views. And I've mentioned a few really shitty things that he's said in the past. And of course the kids were there when he said these really shitty things about members of the LGBTQ community. You know, there's one year for his birthday, we went to Red Lobster because that's the fancy restaurant he wanted to I thought that was Olive Garden. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's, it's in order of fanciness to him, it's, I think Red Lobster is at the top. Okay. And then Olive Garden. Okay. And then... Golden Corral or Chuckarama. <laughs> I was going to throw a Chuckarama in there as a joke and you said it anyways. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, the actual order. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to add Maddox in there somewhere. Okay. The local the local Wolf fine dining place, place here yeah. in Utah. Um but we went to Red Lobster one night and he just kept going on and on about gay people and I finally turned to him and I'm like, "So other than the fact that you're a homophobe, what is your problem?" And like I just it just kept Couldn't building and building it. and building. And finally I was just like, look, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> but I just like the whole family's at the table and everything. I'm like, other than the fact that you're a homophobe, what is your problem? And he just said, well, yeah, absolutely. I'm a homophobe. I don't like gay people and blah. Like, uh, and you know, before gray came out, before Lydia came out, before either one of them did, you know, I, I knew that there was something different about them. Yeah. Something that I thought would, you know, made them a little different than their peers, maybe, uh, indicated that they are leaning one way or the other in their sexual preferences and, and stuff like that. And, and I was totally fine with it, but I wasn't going, you know, I wasn't going to ask them. I wanted them to come to me and, and let me know what was going on. And so I just waited and, and, you know, gray came out to Tracy and I, gosh, years ago now, but has only recently, you know, kind of come out publicly publicly by announcing his relationship with, uh, Grant or Flynn. And so, you know, it's not anything I wanted to push him to do or or anything like that. I wanted him to take his time, feel comfortable. But now that it's out and I'm sure that, you know, both my grandmother and my father know because of all of this other history. And like I say, because, you know, my parents have been divorced for a long time, but my dad is still a giant asshole about it. He, you know, he shit talks my mother and other family members all the time. Um, not that my mother and other people don't say bad things about my father, but it's generally, can you believe what an asshole your dad was being to these other people? Right. And for my dad, it's just, Oh, that's stupid. I can't well, is this person such a nerd that blah, blah, blah. And oh, look at that fag. And he's just an asshole, right? I don't like hanging out with him. I, I visit my father as often as is basically required to maintain any kind of relationship with him because I don't like hanging out with him. Yeah. He's not a pleasant person to be around. It's if he's not bashing on one minority or another, he's just complaining about something else. He's not a pleasant person to be around. And so there's always tension. There's always anxiety for any family event where it's, you know, the, the kids' birthday or Thanksgiving or Christmas or anything where we're all going to have to mix. Right. Yeah. And, and all have to play nice with each other. And when gray was living with my mother, that made problems because then, you know, it was that we were going to have the party at my mother's house. And so my father and grandmother would go to my mother's home and participate in the parties and they were okay, but nobody could act like themselves there. You could tell there, I mean, there was just a tension in the air all the time. And 
so this year and, and in the past, um, Gray's expressed having some anxiety about how to handle all of this because he wants people to feel comfortable. He wants yeah. people to be happy. And it's his birthday and he shouldn't have to worry about all this kind of shit. He should right? feel comfortable. Yeah. He should be absolutely comfortable yeah. with who's coming, where, where, you know, where he's going to go, what's going on. And uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, it just kind of broke down that, you know, we were trying to plan a party and there was miscommunication on all sides and it turned into, you know, having, having a longer ish discussion about what was going on and how he felt and all that kind of stuff. And so since then I've been, I've been extra sensitive to trying to make sure that he feels comfortable and, and safe in everything that's going on. And so this year, Tracy and I had talked a little bit about what we were going to do for Gray's birthday and, and hadn't really made any plans or anything. And I got a text message from my mother who said, Hey, what do you want to do for Gray's birthday? Um, you know, I, I talked to him and he said he wants to have it at your house and he wants to get pizza and have cake or whatever. And I was like, okay, fine. And then she said, you know, she's like, if if that's okay with you, that's great. You know, you want me to create a Facebook event for it? And I, and I sent gray text message to just make sure that all the information I was getting from my mother is correct. Yeah. Because, that, that she wasn't trying to plan it over his head or something. Well, or? not, not even necessarily that she was planning it over his head, but it's playing a game of telephone, right? Like oh, I wanted yeah. to make sure that all of the information checked out, that that's what he wanted and all that. And I didn't hear back from him initially. So then there's me sitting and waiting to hear back and thinking, well, maybe it's that he's feeling anxious about this now because in the past, there's been some anxiety around his birthday and who's going to be invited, who's not, are we going to have to worry about people getting along and everybody's going to feel uncomfortable? Where is it going to be held? Mm -hmm. All of that stuff. Right. And so when I didn't get a reply, you know, the wheels in my head start spinning that, oh, well, maybe he's feeling anxious again. And so he saw my message, but it's just one of those things where ah, I got to deal what with do this. I, I, I don't want to deal with it right now. So yeah. I'll set it aside and deal with it later when I have time or the energy to deal with the frustration and anxiety or whatever. And so I didn't hear from him for, for a full day and I didn't want to send him more messages in case he was feeling anxious about it. So I just kind of let it sit and talk to Tracy about it. And just said, you know, well, so I got this from my mom. Um, I sent a message to gray. I haven't heard back from him. Here are my thoughts. And she and I hashed it out a little bit and I just came to the decision that, okay, well, if I don't hear back from gray, then I will just give him a call the next day. So more than a day goes by. And, uh, I of course have been super busy with all kinds of shit. So Tracy and I have dinner and we finish up dinner. And I'm like, well, I still haven't received a reply from gray and I haven't replied to my mom because I was waiting to hear back yeah. from him. So I'll give him a call. And when Tracy and I spoke to each other, it was, you know, of course, if it comes down to having to make a choice between, you know, my father or my kids, I'm going to pick my kids every mm -hmm. fucking day of the week all day long. Right. And. I don't like hanging out with my dad much anyway, because he's just unpleasant to be around. So, and I know that his involvement in things has caused problems in the past. And my grandmother a little bit too, not nearly as much as my father, but my grandmother a little bit too, because she's very, very LDS and well, 
except when she's in Wendover or, <laughs> or drinking coffee or whatever. But I mean, she, she believes the church is true. She's, she's a true believing Mormon. Yeah. All that, all that happy crappy. And now my father's involved with the church and on top of him now being involved with the church, even before he went, had started, you know, going back to church, he had expressed all of these homophobic views and said all this horrific, horrible shit in the presence of both of my kids who are members of the LGBTQ community. He didn't even know it at the time. Right. And I, I mean, every time that he would do shit like that, I would push back on him. And, you know, when we were at the family, I think it was for my grandmother's birthday party, you know, in the LDS ward house. And one of my cousin's kids is also a member of the trans community. Mm-hmm. And th- that's when my dad pulled me aside and he's like, yeah, see that, see that kid over there? The one, yeah, well, well, apparently she has decided that he, that, that she's no longer a she or he's a he yeah. like, and you know, that's when I turned to him and like, don't say that kind of shit to me. And we had a little brief argument there for a moment, but he just does shit like that all the fucking time. And you never know when some horrific nasty shit like that is going to fall out of his face hole. And so everybody's on edge every fucking yeah. time he's around for anything. So in talking with Tracy, I was like, you know, I, I had to assume the role of being the asshole when my wife and I split and, and filed, you know, when I filed for divorce after catching her in the act of cheating on me and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and it was clear that she was going to try to use and manipulate the kids and, you know, she was going to be the fun mom and do all that. Didn't really give a fuck about their grades or what they were doing, you know, that they learn how to take care of themselves, that they clean their own rooms, they do their homework, all of that kind of shit. So I had to assume the role of the asshole to try to ensure that these types of like things were, were getting giving done. Giving them structure. Yeah. So it's a role that I took on, you know, more than a decade ago. And I think that now that they're both adults, they're, they're both over the age of 18, I don't have to worry about those kinds of things as much. But it's still difficult, you know? Yeah. And I, it's it's still one of those things where... You try to, you try to balance, okay, am I going to be the, the fun dad that they want to hang out with all the time? Or am I going to be more of the disciplinarian and somebody who tries to prepare them for life outside of their mother's house or, or my house (laughs) where they can take care of themselves and they're independent and grow up to be healthy functioning adults. And so it's another one of those tight ropes that you have to walk and try to balance on either side. And, you know, they lived with me. Initially, I I was, I was awarded custody initially because of things that their mother did (laughs) and, and then it ended up in a joint custody situation Mm -hmm. and they would go back and forth. And now, you know, and then Gray moved in with my mom while he was going to school and Lydia has been staying with, with her mother in, in Syracuse. And apparently there's all kinds of issues going on there that I won't get into. But anyway, so in talking with Tracy, I said, you know, I, I assumed the asshole role more than a decade ago. And that's kind of how the kids know me (laughs) is, is, you know, dad's the guy that I'm not going to be able to get one over on. And I, I like to think anyway, that I treat them fairly, but as adults now Mm -hmm. and that I love them, I would do anything for them, blah, blah, blah. So I just told Tracy, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to take this decision out of Gray's hands so that he won't have to worry about it at all. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to tell him 
you know, the, well, I didn't actually tell Tracy this at the time, but my thoughts were, okay, well, rather than having Gray make this decision and, and put it on him and have him face any anxiety and, you know, any kind of blowback or whatever, if he doesn't want my dad or grandmother mm -hmm. there, I'm just making the call now. It's, it's being held at my house and they are not invited. You know, we, we can invite anybody else who wants to come that Gray wants to be there, whatever. But my, my father and my grandmother will not be coming to Gray's birthday party. It'll make everybody feel better. They won't yeah. feel, you know, they won't feel like they're out of place or that they have to watch what they say. And everybody else won't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, what are they going to say, say and how are they yeah. going to act? And it, just everybody being on tinterhooks the whole time. So I just said, I'm just, I'm going to tell Gray that they're not invited. And, um, she said, okay, so then uh, I, we have dinner and I'm like, so, okay, well, I'm going to call gray now. So called gray and I put him on speakerphone so that Tracy could participate in the conversation and hear what's going on. And also because I just fucking hate holding a phone to my ear, like <laughs> agreed it, it sucks. And I have, I have, uh, what is it? Uh, sweaty hands, ulnar nerve entrapment <laughs> in both arms. Okay. And so if I bend my elbows for too long, I, you know, my fingers start to go numb and <laughs> ache and stuff. So anyway, so I put him on speakerphone and, and give him a call and, uh, he was doing dishes and, and I was just like, well, you got a minute to talk. And he did. So, uh, we, we started the discussion and I said, you know, I got this, I hadn't heard back from you yet. So I wanted to give you a call and, and make sure what, what your desires were. And then I said, and I know, you know, in the past, there's been some issues about you being anxious about your birthday and wanting people to get along and, and knowing that there's contention between different members of the family and everything. And I said, and the source of that contention largely is, you know, my father and, and grandmother, you know, your grandfather and great grandmother. And so I'm just, you know, I'm going to let you know now that it's not your decision to make. They're not, they're not coming to the party. I will not be inviting them. And if they call and ask about the party, I will explain to them why they are not invited. Mm -hmm. And that in and of itself will lead to another argument, <laughs> argument and very uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversation, but it's a conversation that is long overdue, I think. Mm -hmm. And whether we have it now or a year from now or five years from now, it's a conversation that needs to be had. And yeah. I'd rather have it sooner than later. So I just said, you know, I just, I said, I hadn't heard back from you. I said, I understand you're busy and you've got your own life and stuff, but I, you know, we need to kind of plan for the party and on all that kind of stuff. So I know there's been history of you having some anxiety over this. I'm taking it out of your hands. It's not your responsibility. It's not your decision. I am not inviting them to the party and I will explain that to them and I will have a conversation with them when they call because I'm sure they will they, yeah. and let them know why they're not invited. Um, and I said, you know, so this way you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to deal with it. All you have to know is that they won't be here. And so you can bring whomever you want. Uh, I, 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 I believe Grant is Grant or Flynn is coming and that'll be fun to meet the rest of the family. I think I'm the only one in the family that has met him so okay. far. And I met him at the pride festival in oh. Salt Lake uh, when they stopped by the atheists of Utah booth while I was there. So I just told him, you won't have to worry about it. So you don't have to worry about any anxiety or anything. Just know that they're not coming. You, they, you won't have to talk to them. They won't, you won't have to worry about any confrontation, nothing. It's just, they're not going to be here. So let's concentrate on what you want to yeah. eat and, and all or that have kind of fun. stuff. And so we finished that conversation and 
now I just am waiting to have to talk to my yeah. grandmother and or dad. And the way this has worked in the past is that they act like fucking little kids, right? That They don't act like they're fucking little kids. They act <laughs> like little fucking kids. <laughs> so, so what typically has happened in the past is my dad knows that I, well, I'm sure he has to have some idea that I think he's a bit of an asshole because whenever there's a contentious issue or he has a question about something, he'll talk to my grandmother and my grandmother will call me for oh. the details. And it's, it's like little kids when they fuck up, you know, like if well, I'm sure it happened with you and your, and your, uh, you and your siblings where you guys would fuck up and do something wrong. And then it's, well, who's going to tell mom and dad? <laughs> no one will. <laughs> well, 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 they're going to find out. So who's going to tell them about it? It'd be best if we tell them about it now. So, so who's going to tell them? Well, you should tell them because you're mom's favorite or you're the cutest or you're the youngest or you never get in trouble. And so, you know, it'll be, they'll be much easier on you or, or you're always in trouble. So let's just, let's just put it on you. They expect it, you know, and you have these discussions yeah. and, and then you decide, okay, well, who's going to do the deed? And, and see, I think we lived underneath the rule of maybe they won't notice. <laughs> maybe they won't notice there's a window missing from the home somewhere or other, some, some other thing that you've done to fuck something up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I say, typically when these types of situations have arisen in the past, it's my grandmother who calls me for information or details. So what I imagine will happen is that, you know, sometime between now and Gray's birthday, probably within the next week, I will get a call from my grandmother and that if I let it go to voicemail, it's going to be, oh, hi, sweetheart. This is your grandmother. Just call and check and see when Gray's birthday is and if we can bring anything and, and I just miss you and hope you're doing well and blah, blah, blah. So hopefully if she calls, I'll be able to answer the phone and, and talk to her. Um, I can't imagine that it will be my dad, but if it is, then that will make things easier because I won't have to talk to my grandmother about this right off the bat. But if it's my grandmother who calls, it's going to have to be me explaining to her, look, you know, I love you both, but some of the things that you have said and the religion that you participate in are harmful. And most everybody else in the family has now realized that, um, Nearly everybody in my immediate, well, everybody in my immediate family yeah. has realized yeah. that. And they've also heard you say some really horrible, uh, denigrating things about the community to which my children are now members yeah. and, and have been members for a really long time, though you didn't know it. And they probably didn't feel safe saying anything about it because of the way right. they were talking. And, and you didn't know it because they were afraid of your reaction yeah. and what you would say about it and how you would treat them. And so they had to not be themselves around you and they're adults now. And I don't want them to have to live that way. Yeah. So the party's at my house and I'm letting you know now that you're not invited to come. You know, you can, you can try to work out something else, but I would advise you that if you want to have a relationship with me, other members of the family or your, or your great grandchildren, that you need to offer a very sincere, very heartfelt, very well thought out apology for things that you've said and done in the past. Mm hmm. And if you don't, then I probably just wouldn't bother calling for anything else ever again, because 
I don't want to maintain a relationship with somebody that I know has such horrible views and has said these awful, hurtful, damaging things in the presence of my children. And so you need to fix that. This is a problem that you have created. You need to fix this. They're, they're a toxin. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're toxic influences when they come over and it's, it's not even that they're poisoning other people's minds while they're here because the people who are here generally reject everything that they're saying, but it it creates a toxic atmosphere and environment and nobody wants to be in it. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, especially when it's your son's birthday and if he doesn't feel safe at his own birthday party. Right. That's kind of shitty. I I would probably have the same thing like, well, fuck, do I even want to have a birthday if he's going to be there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's exactly it is. And it's something that I should have done probably years ago. You know, even before Gray came out, I should have just said, you know, regardless of whether my kids are members yeah. of the community or not, you're still doing these things. And I don't want to be associated with you if you're going to be doing that kind of shit. But, but we are where we are. Yeah. And I was going to say, it's probably like, it's. Cause it is your father as much as you don't get along with them. They're still in the back of the mind. Like, well, it is my dad. Yeah. I should do something, even though I hate everything he says or every word that comes out of his mouth is completely disrespectful. And he gives the tackiest Christmas presents. <laughs> uh, funny. You should mention that. We, we, we finally took down the, the uh, tree that worked for about 30 seconds Yeah, uh, and, and put it in storage for, a day that I may eventually fix it or something. I don't know. Um, but we just took that down like last week. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's going to be this thorny issue for a little while, but I am fully prepared to just handle it because like I say, it's, it's a talk that's long overdue. It needs to be done. Yeah. And, you know, so I had this conversation with gray and I hadn't replied to my mother's text yet. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm making phone calls now because I have my headphones on. And so I might as well just call my mom and let her know what's going on. So I called her, gave her the rundown of everything, my reasoning behind it and everything. And she, you know, the, the second to last thing she said to me before getting off the phone with me was, well, thank you for being an asshole. (laughs) 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 Because I mean, I've had conversations with her before about, you know, various issues that have come up since the divorce and, and, you know, trying to manage relationships with the kids and my ex-wife and yeah, I don't have a relationship with my ex-wife. I, I abandoned that exercise several years ago because it was clear that there wasn't, there wasn't there. going to be any co-parenting kind of thing. She wasn't going to work with me on stuff. She wasn't going to try to cooperate and, and try to maintain a healthy relationship mm-hmm. for both of our sakes and the sakes of our children. So I just kind of abandoned that and have been, you know, doing what I can to help the kids try to let them know that I'm always here for them. If they need anything, you know, give me a call. I mean, I don't want to push anything on them. I don't want to make them feel obligated to come and see me or anything because they're but, young adults and they've got their own lives now. They're, they're busy doing stuff. So, you know, I, I, have just kind of imagined and and hoped and pictured that, you know, eventually one day they'll, their lives will stabilize more and they'll settle down and they'll come around more and it'll just be a a thing. But I mean, I, I love both of my kids immensely. I mean, they're more than anything else in the world. And so it's just been this thing. It's been this cloud hanging over the whole family for years now. And it's time that the clouds break and we, we get all this shit sorted out. Get the fuck out of here, clouds. 
So that's more anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I've got the debate and work and, and work is just fucking nuts lately too. At the end of the fiscal year. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. It's just, and then tons of movement in management and I had to write my own review for myself <laughs> and I'm, I, according to me, I'm the best employee they've ever had. Fuck. <laughs> no, no, but I, I mean, I just outlined all of the things that I've done yeah. over the last year and yeah, I think that I'm a great employee and I do a good job and. Do you guys use that DMAPS system? DMAPS? I don't, th- I don't know, maybe. Because that's what we use, where basically you got to go in there and be like, well, here's how I was awesome this month. <laughs> well, our system is called HR Connect. Okay. And it's what tracks all of our, you know, semi-annual and annual appraisals yeah. and reviews and all kinds of shit like that. But so, yeah, this will be fun. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a long and interesting conversation with my grandmother and or father here in the next couple weeks and then then you'll have the debate after the debate and after that conversation you're you're just gonna be like oh i feel so good i'll just i'll have like so much will be lifted off of my shoulders over the next couple weeks that yeah i think life will be made more simple um but like i said it's a conversation that we need to have oh yeah regardless of their reaction or how they take it it still needs to be said so and i i think it'll be fun anyone else out there that's dealing with the same kind of shit like if you have someone in your family that's just not good for you you don't have to be around them yeah you don't family is what you make it yeah you know i i've said several different times that i i have people who i am related to and i have family and they're not necessarily the same i i have several friends who i'm i'm pretty close with and they are my they're my family they're they're who i have self-selected as members of my family. Yeah. They're, they're people I love and care about and would do anything for. And there are people that whom I am related to that I may not pee if I had to, and they were on fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's just to give you guys a little bit of background into what's going on in my life. And, and it's important to have difficult conversations with people if you want to maintain any kind of relationship with them. If if you have a contentious issue that has been on the back burner for quite a while, I would encourage you to have a difficult conversation with them if you can. I mean, if you want to maintain a relationship with them and you want it to not be a toxic environment whenever they are around, whenever they are around, there are conversations that are uncomfortable and may cause anxiety thinking about how to have them and how it's going to go down. But it's an important conversation to have just to clear the air. Yeah. And I think, I think way too often these days, people don't have conversations with the people they need to have the conversation with, if that makes sense. They'll, because of the dawn of social media, now we can post our gripes out somewhere else and, and get, support from a community of our peers who may agree with us on different issues and everything. And that's all great and, and, and fine and good, but it doesn't solve the issue. Right. But it doesn't solve the issue. It just puts it on the back burner and, and leads to other posts that you may put out there someday mm-hmm. complaining about other things. And not that that isn't also beneficial and helpful, but it would probably be a great idea to have those conversations with the people you're talking about instead of just talking about them, talk to them. So I'll be doing so, that and we'll report back after that's all done. Are you going to do the uh, old dad? Here are the ground rules. 
<laughs> if you cannot stick to these ground rules, we no longer have a relationship. No, I'm, I, I mean, it'll just be telling him exactly what I've said here that, you know, in the past you've said some yeah. really hurtful, harmful things and members of your own family who are members of the communities that you've been denigrating and putting down and saying really hateful shit about those, the people that you're saying those things about are members of your own yeah. family. And you didn't know that. And the reason you didn't know it is because you're an asshole about it. And that makes you be an asshole to him. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you want to maintain any kind of relationship with me or your grandchildren, you need to apologize and you need to reexamine your thoughts on this because I don't want you to be around. I don't want to be around you and I don't want you around other people that I care about who will hear you say this kind of shit. You know, whether you believe it or not, that's one thing. But when you say that around members of your family who are members of that community, it hurts them. Yeah. So maybe if you can't alter your views, shut your fucking mouth. If you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all or don't come. I don't fucking care either way. I'd like to maintain a relationship with you, but it can't go on as it is now. Yeah. So it's, it's up to you. It's, it's your decision. I'm just telling you, this is what has to happen if you want to maintain any kind of relationship with me or my kids. And we'll see how that goes. I don't know that it'll take it well. He doesn't, I, he doesn't like straight talk a whole lot. Yeah. We'll see. I'll report back and let you all know how it went. All right. Aloha, everybody. This is Nico Gonzalez former Jehovah's Witness, and a content producer for the Conversations with God podcast. Be on the lookout for my own show, coming soon, called If I Was God. You're listening to The Godless Revolution. Oh, here she is. Right. Go on. If you're atheist, I am. and you don't believe in an afterlife, I don't. if you don't believe in heaven and hell and all that, mm. why don't you just go around raping and murdering as much as you want? I do. What? I do go around raping and murdering as much as I want, which is not at all. Because he's got a conscience. But if death is just the end, what's the point? What's the point in what? Living. Might as well just kill yourself. So if you're watching a movie and you're really enjoying it, someone with Kevin Hart in, Yeah. And someone points out that this will end eventually, do you just go, oh, forget it then, what's the point? And just turn it off? No, because I can watch it again. Well, I think life is precious because you can't watch it again. I mean, you can believe in an afterlife if that makes you feel better. Doesn't mean it's true. But once you realize you're not going to be around forever, I think that's what makes life so magical. One day you'll eat your last meal, smell your last flower, hug your friend for the very last time. You might not know it's the last time. So that's why you should do everything you love with passion, you know? Treasure the few years you've got because that's all there is. I watched Ride Along 2 five times. Well, you haven't wasted your life then? Definitely not, no. Love Kevin Hart. Yeah. Everything about him. His humour, his comedy, his films. Comedy films, mainly. Mainly, yeah. Yeah, whatever gets you through. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming over. Pleasure. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! So speaking of Mormons... Oh, are we going to bring more men in here? <laughs> Mormons? <laughs> we need more men's up in here.
Uh, this story comes to us from the Salt Lake Tribune. It's from Jenna Reese. Uh, says Latter-day Saint men are groomed not to listen to women. Agreed. This is something that I figured out early on in my, in my young days as a Mormon. I mean, and it's a big part of the reason I left the church. Yeah. Me coming from a state where I didn't really know a whole lot about Mormonism. Didn't know LDS was the same thing. (laughs) Uh, coming here to Utah, that was one of the first things I realized where it's like, oh, there's like a definite separation between the men and women. And there's Mm -hmm. a definite hierarchy, hierarchy of men provide men strong women work, provide babies. And that's it. Yeah. Women take care of the family and the house and her husband's needs. Yeah. (laughs) Basically mean put out. Yeah. Uh, the story says two seemingly unrelated stories appeared last week in my Facebook feed in rapid succession. The first was the unwelcome update that Lavina Fielding Anderson, who was excommunicated from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or the Mormons. Just say Mormons. In 1993, I will. If, like, if, <laughs> if she's going to spell that all out or whatever, I'm just going to say Mormons from yeah. going forward. Uh, has been denied rebaptism. This woman, so for those who don't know, uh, Lavina Fielding Anderson, this isn't part of the story here, but, or maybe it no, it, well, okay, I'll just keep reading this story because it looks it like it out. does address okay. it. So, uh, Anderson's excommunication was caused by her shining a light on what she called ecclesiastical abuse in the church. It was documented in a long, well-researched article in Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought, that chronicled how intellectuals and feminists were being disciplined by Latter-day Saint leaders for various things they wrote and said. Anderson herself then was targeted for the things she wrote at the, for the things she wrote and said, her excommunication occurring within the famous purge of the September 6. Hmm. I don't know that. And we can go into the September 6 sometime. Okay. Maybe, maybe later, but there's a link in this story to it. Uh, since the 1990s, the church has made great strides in accepting as fact some of the exact claims that intellectuals, especially historians, were disciplined for writing about back in the day. Anderson was not excommunicated because the incidents she documented were false. She was excommunicated for bringing them to light. In church lingo, this was, quote, conduct unbecoming a member, Hmm. end quote. Her sin was naming the incidents and calling them abuse. Not, not lying about anything, but actually telling people, hey, this is abuse. This is part of the church's history. Yeah. If you want to know all of the church's history, you should know this part of it as well. Like there's some shit. Yeah. And she was excommunicated for Hmm. telling people the truth about the LDS church. They didn't say that anything she said was untrue. It was just unhelpful and unwelcome. She wasn't being very light in the (laughs) license. It seems logical that the shifting tides of how much better the church now treats into Jesus Christ. Treats intellectuals. Let me start that over. (laughs) Since the 1990s, the church has made great strides in accepting as fact some of the exact claim. That was part of it as I started reading the wrong paragraph. (laughs) So since the 1990s, the church has made great strides in accepting as fact some of the exact claims that intellectuals, especially historians, were disciplined for writing about back in the day. I have known, I'm trying to think, I think two separate LDS church historians who, as part of their role in learning so much of the church history ended up leaving the church because they had learned too much about the church. Well, cause I, <laughs> I'm trying to remember there's that, that book that all people always talk about for Mormons. Like, Hey, if you want to learn some real Mormon history, read the book that this guy wrote. And I always hear his name pop up. Uh, there's a ton. I'm not uh, sure which one you would even be referring to. Cause there's a whole bunch. 
I've heard Matt say the guy's name several times. I can't remember what the guy's. I'm not sure who yeah. which, which guy you're talking about in particular. We'll have to, we'll have to figure that out. Um, uh, Anderson was not excommunicated because the incidents she documented were false. She was excommunicated for bringing them to light. In church lingo, this was conduct on becoming a member. Her son was naming the incidents and calling them abuse. It seems logical that the shifting tides of how much better the church now treats intellectuals, coupled with Anderson's stalwart church attendance and devotion in the intervening years, would have made her rebaptism a shoe in because she has, she's been going to church every Sunday and believes that the church is true. She just reported these other things that mm -hmm. don't particularly paint the church in a, in a good light because it's, they're bad things the church did, but it's yeah. still factual. These like, are things that happened. Our country did some horrible shit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get kicked out for saying that. Yeah. Uh, story continues and says the first presidency denied her request, apparently without explanation. Hmm. It seems that the shoot the messenger approach is still with us. The second unwelcome news item was that another matter was that another male Latter-day Saint leader has been arrested for sexual abuse. Weird how yeah. that happens so often. You, I mean, you would think that with the power of discernment, these people are supposed to have in church hierarchy that they would know if somebody was a kitty diddler. I think two of the other stories you had in the timeline for this stuff was, uh, pedophile priests. Yep. So, yeah. This time it's Bishop Paul Bur it's Bishop Paul Burdick in Oregon who was accused of abusing 15 girls from 2012 to 2018 during his job during his day job as a driver's ed instructor. Hmm. So he's abusing mentally mentally challenged children and is a member of the LDS church. Were they mentally challenged? Well, they well, I don't know. They it's the special ed well, driver's, driver's ed. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why I'm like, wait, they're allowing the, like, I'm like, <laughs> at my school, the special ed kids didn't go to driver's ed. <laughs> Jesus, my mind is on a million different things all at the same time, and I can't fucking concentrate on one of them. Good Lord. I'm sorry about that, Ben. Now that's funny. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, yeah, uh, special ed. Jesus Christ. Oh, it's been a, it's uh, been a. It's been a long month this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry, everybody. Um, the second and welcome news. Uh, I'm just fucking this up all over the place. Well, this is an addition to the arrest of former Utah Bishop Stephen Murdoch last month in Nashville, Tennessee. Murdoch allegedly took photos of women while she was, uh, while of a woman, uh, while she was trying to clothe in a department store dressing room. The juxtaposition of these news stories brought brought home to me how uh, inhospitable the church is to be uh, hearing women's voices and how very hospitable they are to protecting male power. While the Murdoch case, one of the discussions that is now happening concerns how local church leaders in Utah dealt with his release from his calling on the stake high council. The good news is that it sounds like Murdoch was released as soon as possible the very next Sunday after his arrest, which is good. Which is good really not as soon as possible. Yeah, it but... could have been that day. <laughs> we give it a week. <laughs> the bad news is how it was done. Several stake members have said that they were told to raise their hands in sacrament meeting, not just in support of Murdoch's release, but in support of him as a person, a great man, as one leader is to have put it, as one leader has put it. Sheesh. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, a great man. Great man. Rape those 16 women on the... Yeah, he sexually abuses children. He's a great man. Yeah. 
This is unacceptable, but not surprising for three sad reasons. The first is due to ingrained structural sexism. In the church, men exist entirely uh, homosocial. I'm, men- <laughs> I'm like, now I'm like, wait. In the church, men exist in entirely homosocial okay, corridors yeah. of power. They rarely attend meetings with women or girls and never with women as equal partners. They do not have to listen to women at church as anything but merely advisory voices if they listen to women at all, though many of though many do choose to listen and go out of their way to correct the imbalance. I'm sorry to be so blunt about it, but there is no way around the reality. Women do not lead men in this church, ever. Women do not even lead teenage boys in this church. Starting from at least age 12, if not earlier, men are conditioned at church to see women as ancillary to decision-making. It's not surprising that, given this reality, male church leaders are more likely to believe male perpetrators than they are female victims. It's a trust issue. It's a human nature that when it's human nature that when we are presented with cold hard facts about a person we have counseled with, served with, and sat with for many hours in meetings, our knee-jerk reaction is to discredit anything bad about them. We want to continue believing that this person is exactly what we thought they were. The affable and loving bishop, the kind-hearted and funny member of the stake high council, when the accused are people we know personally, seeing their names in connection with degrading stories of sexual abuse and predatory misconduct does not compute. This is why the system is stacked against women. It's not just that women are not permitted to make decisions that affect anyone but other women and perhaps children in the church, and even then, such decisions must always be approved by male priesthood leaders. It's also that women simply do not have the access to to decision-makers that the men do. When Stephen Murdoch comes before a disciplinary council on charges of sexual misconduct, which I fully expect will happen, it will be the exact stake-high council he served on with the same men deciding his fate, men who know him well. Do you want to continue? Uh, the second sad reality is related. <laughs> All <laughs> Latter-day Saints, both men and women, are counseled to obey their leaders. To do so uh, is considered a blessing. We are instructed that the Lord himself called our bishops, stake president, and general authority to the positions they hold, and it is not our place to question them. Such a system is not uh, is at great risk for abuse. It's interesting to me that both Stephen Murdoch and Paul Burdick uh, were arrested when charges were bought by women and girls who were not, to my knowledge at least, Latter-day Saints. Is this because the men never uh, perpetrated acts of abuse on fellow members, or because Latter-day Saint women and girls had been so conditioned by a culture of obeying male authority protecting the institution of the church that they dared not speak the truth. Ooh, that is a very good question. I do actually kind of, if the, the sexual abuse does go unchallenged Mm -hmm. a lot more. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm certain that it is because it's only years and years after the, after the fact that we hear about a lot of these cases because the, the people involved were, you know, a, a man in, in a position of power within the church and a young girl or young boy who had no power or prominence mm-hmm. in the church, who was afraid to speak out because of what it would do to their congregation and members of their family. And, you know, the church would blackball them, excommunicate them, yeah. get rid of them, you know, just, just cast them aside because they're victims of somebody else who they would want to protect. Just like Michael Jackson. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, do you, you want to continue? Uh, sure. I think we got one paragraph left down here. Uh, fine. Ooh, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> Finally, our religion has a long and unfortunate history of regarding women as objects. Polygamy is no longer practiced, but it has also never been refuted. Its legacy lives on in the temple sealing practice that requires divorced or bereaved women to have their first marriage canceled before they can remarry in the temple. Men are under no such obligations. Correct, Which, because yeah. the the ban on polygamy is only for our temporal existence. Yeah. But in, in heaven, you can have as many wives as you want in the celestial kingdom. So if she cancels the... Uh, earthly marriage to her husband and gets remarried, can the first husband still call her back in heaven? Uh, it depends. I mean, y <laughs> if you're married in the temple, that's for time and eternity. Okay. So you're, so the LDS church views it, the Mormon church <laughs> views, yeah. views marriage as you can have a civil marriage, which is fine, whatever. You can have all of your friends and family come to that. But a temple marriage is a sacred covenant that you make between your spouse and God, that you will be with them both in this temporal existence and in the afterlife. It's it's well, marriage for time and eternity. Because that's saying that they can get their first marriage canceled and then they can remarry in the temple. Yeah. So, so if temple you, weddings. Right. So if you are married in the temple and then later divorce, uh, the, the, the divorce is a civil proceeding. Yeah. And so then you have to have your marriage canceled or annulled your, your temple wedding canceled or annulled through the church. So that God sees it. In or, right. In order for the church to recognize <laughs> that you are no longer with this person okay. and you have no seal to them for time and eternity. I've heard of D and D games with fucking easier rules. Than this. <laughs> oh. What this means in practice is that, uh, is that a man may look forward to an eternity in which all the women who married him uh, monogamously in life become polygamous in the afterlife. Their consent to this, it seems, is unimportant, which, which suggests that Mormon men uh, expect that even in the eternities, uh, their decision about women will still be more important than women's decisions about themselves. That's a great last line. That's awesome. Their consent to this is, it seems, unimportant which suggests that their Latter-day Saint men expect that even in the eternities, their decisions about women will still be more important than women's decisions about themselves. Yeah, that's... Because well, they get no choice. Yeah. Well, we had, we had talked their... on the show during at least one episode, I think, that uh, one of my aunts, who is very LDS and was married to an abusive man, got divorced and then was having nightmares that he would call, call her, her to him in, in the celestial kingdom. And beat her in heaven. And, and she would have to go to him because she's she's sealed to him in the temple. You know, you know what I would say? I would go, Aunt, listen, go sin. You know you don't have commit. to believe all this bullshit, yeah. right? <laughs> if you just commit all the sins you want, go completely against the Bible, guess what? You'll be in hell. You guys who can't call you back from hell. You you will you won't even make it to the celestial kingdom. You won't be allowed in the celestial kingdom, so then but, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but you'll be in a better place then than with him. But she wants to be in the celestial kingdom, and so she had to go through this whole annulment process <sighs> to get her first temple marriage annulled, so that she could then marry her new husband. And I'm the betting they charge for that too. Uh, for temple wedding, I don't know. I don't know if they, I honestly don't know if the church charges church. things for temple weddings or not. I'm just thinking it's the Mormon Church. I mean, they they. They make you feel like shit if you don't go out on a mission, which you are required to pay 100% of yourself. Yeah. 
yeah, you have to, missions are, are financed through the person or the families of the person yeah. who's going on a mission. And then they want you to work at their church for free. Mm-hmm. So I would fully expect them to charge you to get married in the temple. For the privilege of being married yeah. in one of their temples? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised by it, but I don't know either way. So I just don't know. Last up, we've, we've seen a lot in the news lately. Uh, with climate change, mm-hmm. largely in part of Greta Thunberg, who's, yeah. who's a young woman who She's is speaking out about climate change. Yeah. yeah. And she I, is now touring the world talking about and it. I, and, and I think the people that are upset about her and are making fun of her because she has Asperger's and trying to say, well, her parents were radical hippies and she's been brainwashed and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. You're just mad that this girl is more intelligent than you are. And speaking on the world stage on a subject that you can't refute. You know, the part of it that really fucking kills me is that for a lot of the people that I've seen shitting on Greta, it all seems to stem from this idea that not only is it that a young person can't be that intelligent, but a woman young person? Yeah. Fuck me. That's absolutely not possible. Well, not only is she young, she's also a a woman. woman. I mean, she's got two strikes against her in the, in the, you know, in the mental Olympics, she's, she's a, she's a young woman who by nature of being a young woman doesn't know jack shit about fuck all. And then everyone on the internet was also misdiagnosing her. Like, look, she's got down syndrome. Yeah. No, she doesn't have down syndrome. She said she has a form of Asperger's, mm-hmm. which doesn't, it's the complete opposite of down syndrome. What's. Well, yeah, not, not really an opposite of Down well, syndrome. Well, not the opposite. Well, it, it's well, not Down syndrome. Well, people with Down syndrome socially love to be around people. They'll come up and hug you. People with Asperger's are more socially like... Uh, a little more isolated. Uh, more isolated. Yeah. Uh, both have social awkwardnesses about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not picking up on cues or... Yeah, well, and like I say, my biggest thing though is that almost to a person, the people that I've seen attack her it's been something about her age mm-hmm. or the fact that she's a girl or the fact that she has Asperger's. Yeah. They're not discounting anything she's it, saying. Yeah. They are attacking her. They're attacking the messenger, not the message. Yeah. And they're doing it by way of saying, well, I'm going to attack her because clearly she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking yeah. about. Okay. Well then show me where she's wrong about what she's talking about instead of attacking her personally. Well, she's a, uh, she's a democratic shill. <laughs> yeah, she's working for George Soros. Yeah. Bringing in them Soros books. Yeah. Fuck, dude. I cannot believe the amount of fucking crazy conspiracy bullshit that is coming out of the White House now because oh. of the impeachment proceedings. And Rudy Giuliani today on George Stephanopoulos was fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it when I get home. It was fucking amazing, dude. Like, he has lost his fucking mind. He. He and Stephen Miller that we yeah, saw later on what, Fox News, yeah. they are both so entrenched in this deep state conspiracy minded thinking, which is that like, they're, they, they look like fucking crazy people. They've been, they've been consuming the Alex Jones Kool-Aid. Yeah. They're, that's exactly the kind of rhetoric that they're now espousing yeah. is 
fucking Alex Jones type bullshit on national news. Why are we even allowing these clowns to say anything to anybody? Why are they put on these large wow. platforms other than to show the world that they're fucking idiots? When you have a clown running the country, he invites the circus to be his friends. And that's the <laughs> only people we get to talk to now. Oh man, it's just, I couldn't believe some of the things Giuliani and Stephen Miller were saying. Well, it was just, I, I, my mouth was agape listening I, to them. I think Stephen Miller went straight deep state on it when he couldn't answer a fucking question that Chris Wallace was asking him. Oh, yeah. He just went straight like, oh, uh, uh, deep state, deep state, <laughs> deep state. We've seen indications of this deep state conspiracy for, you know, even before Trump assumed office and blah, blah. Dude, you sound uh, like a fucking crazy person. My favorite part was when he was trying to go against what the uh, uh, intel community the mm. guy that had served as a navy seal and has served as a, this country and been in the military and politics and government for his entire fucking life yeah and he goes i've been in, i've been in government for quite a while for almost three, three years, years now <laughs> <laughs> it's like really dude <laughs> really so i've been in, i've been in government for almost three years now and uh, so i can tell you from from in, my vast years yeah. of experience <laughs> going against the guy who's who served like 30 fucking years in government and you're telling him he's wrong because you've done three. <laughs> uh, and not even, not even uh, the, you know, time in service would, would indicate whether you're correct or not, but just for him to, for him to be, you know, for Stephen Miller to be involved with, with government for three years and then pointing at this person who was appointed by Donald, Donald fucking Trump, Trump yeah. to his position is saying that this guy's wrong. And I know because I've it's served three, three years, years in government. No, dude, you're just fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, last up this evening, <laughs> we have we have some audio from one of our favorite uh, assholes, Mr. Robert Jeffress. And and this kind of ties into what we were just talking about with Greta Thunberg and climate change. I think you were probably trying to transition, weren't you? And I was uh, like... Slightly. Well, you're, you're trying to segue and we just got off track, or I got off track. It happens. Uh, but this is Robert Jeffress appearing on... Oh, is that... Well, let's see. This comes to us from Right Wing Watch. Says that right wing pastor Robert Jeffress appeared on Todd. Yeah, it is Todd Starnes' radio program yesterday where he told climate change activist Greta Thunberg to read the Bible and stop worrying about the imaginary crisis of global warming because God has promised never to destroy the world with rising sea levels. Wait. I would like him to point to that passage in the Bible. And according to your Bible, didn't God already do that once? Well, he, but he'll never do it again. Again. That's why we have rainbows. Ah, uh, he only gets, he only gets to use each power once. He goes, I already used my flood power. That one's used up. Did you hear that or know, or, I, or know I, about that when you were a little I, kid? I, when I was a little kid, I never heard that before, but I, now I've seen people say that once in a while. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's God's promise, a rainbow. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. That's reminding us all of God's promise to never it's, kill every fucking thing, thing on the face of the planet ever again. And I'm more like, No. That's the light ref refracting through the water droplets in the air, <laughs> causing a prism. But it doesn't have to operate that way, Ryan. God chose to make it to operate that way. No, that's that's about the only way it can operate. Um, <laughs> well, it's because of the laws that he set up to put it in place, so he chose to make it do that. Well, then he could have made it fucking any other color he wanted then, right? <laughs> could have been solid blue. Uh-huh. Like each, each color represents a different thing. Like this says, God will no longer shit on your day again. <laughs> it's brown, a brown rainbow. No more shitting on your day. <laughs> uh, the story continues and says that Jeffress kicked things off by bragging that he had just come from, quote, 
from hearing our tremendous president give a blockbuster speech on religious freedom at the United Nations. It was absolutely tremendous, Jeffress said. The only thing more fun than listening to him is listening to liberals whine that he had the audacity to skip the climate summit. I tell people all the time, this president is brilliant. He decides to skip attending a session on an imaginary crisis climate change, and instead he chooses to lead his own conference on a very real problem, global persecution. Oh my fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So this should be some fun audio. To, to listen to with between these two mental giants. Yeah. And load. I just got back from the UN to hear our tremendous president give a blockbuster speech on religious liberty. I mean, it was that. Goddamn, I think I nailed Robert Jefferson's voice. <laughs> <laughs> like I nailed the way this guy talks. Religious liberty. I mean, it was absolutely tremendous. The only thing more fun than listening to him is listening to the liberals whine about that he had the audacity to. Oh my God, dude. I fucking nailed it. We hadn't even listened to this, and I did it almost exactly this way, right? Skip the climate summit. Uh, And, you know, I tell people, Todd, all the time, I mean, this president is brilliant. I mean, he decides to skip attending a session on an imaginary crisis climate change the guy that doesn't know origins from oranges or, yeah is brilliant fucking kofefi the guy that thinks that we can buy parts of other countries yeah is brilliant then someone gave it to him as like a joke and he takes it fucking real the guy that is oh. the guy whose companies have filed bankruptcy what six times he's brilliant yeah, yeah casino he had a fucking casino <laughs> fail that went bankrupt how does a casino go, go fucking, fucking bankrupt, bankrupt. As long as people are attending. And he had like the only casino in Atlanta. Yeah. Instead, he chooses to lead his own conference on a very real problem, global persecution. I mean, Todd, what president can you think of in either party who would have the guts to snub the UN like that? What president do we know who has no sense of politics and would act so carelessly? Yeah. Um, And is is the reason why on the world stage we are being less like we are going down. We're viewed, we're viewed as lesser and lesser on the world stage. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the way you're framing the question. You've, you've framed it completely wrong here, Mr. Jeffress. And stand up for what's right. It's a, look, it's a fair point you raise. And, no, it's not. Uh, this whole <laughs> global warming, tree hugging fiasco. I mean, there's just, again, nothing to it. And uh, oh. yeah, this is, this is my problem with a lot of religious people, right? They'll, oh no, I believe in science too. And you know, science tells us this and science tells us that bull fucking shit. You agree with the science when it comports with everything your, else, yeah. according to your worldview. And if you believe that God has said that he'll never allow the world to be destroyed again, then by necessity, you can't accept scientific fact of global climate change. You reject it because you believe some ancient fucking book and an invisible wizard in the sky is going to save us all. And you so you reject the scientific fact about global climate change. Or they don't understand it because a lot of people think it's a regional. Like, well, it's not that fucking hot out. Like, well, yeah, yeah but it doesn't fucking matter when you walk outside with the fucking temperature is there. It's, it's the global medium temperature shift well and it's the people who well i haven't left you know my hometown in the last 30 years let alone the state or the country so you know everything seems fine here okay we'll wait until 
because of global climate change, sea levels rise, which means that people have to move further and further inland or abandon the places that they're living now in order to seek higher ground. They're going to come and visit you. Yeah. They're go they're all yeah. going to have to go somewhere. All those old senile retired people that moved to Florida. Guess what? Yeah. You're they're fucked. coming back. <laughs> they may as well hold a commission hearing on the tooth fairy or Bigfoot. Sasquatch. <laughs> or Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, nobody's arguing. What's, what's really funny is that I'm sure a lot of his listeners were just like, Hey, what the fuck? Bigfoot exists. Yeah. What are so, you talking about? Fucking had a beer with them last week. What are you talking about? We need to take care of the environment. I mean, uh, Genesis 1 and 2, we need to cultivate the earth and, and keep it. But God said he created the environment to serve us. Uh, not for us. But God said he created the environment mm. to serve us. Now, when he says the environment, when I think of the environment, I think of everything, mm -hmm. including the oceans, the forests, the jungles, the desert. If God made those to serve us, he did a shitty fucking job because we cannot survive in most of those fucking areas. <laughs> yeah, the vast, vast majority of the planet that is uninhabitable. Yeah. That, yeah. that you know, there people can't live there because they can't farm. They can't, they can't yeah, build they a can't structure. Cultivate. <laughs> they can't, they can't drink ocean water. Like, yeah, yeah, this, this is great. Thanks for giving us a little bit of space on this fucking mud thing that you've made. Yeah, like all these, uh, these droughts we're having. You donkey. <laughs> yeah. For us to serve the environment and look, you know, this, uh, Greta Thunberg, the 16 year old, she was warning today about the mass extinction of humanity. Somebody needs to read poor Greta, Genesis chapter nine, and tell her next time she worries about global warming, just look at a rainbow. That's God's promise that the polar ice caps aren't going to melt and flood the world again. Oh my again. God. What a childish, simplistic view of things. Uh... Just read this book and it tells you all about Jesus's promise that he's not going to destroy everything nice. again. He just won't allow that to happen. But he killed the dinosaurs, daddy. <laughs> what an ass clown Robert Jeffress is and Todd Starnes yeah. both. They're both just terrible people. But like when you first brought that up, that's that's kind of the thing that I hate that attitude of, well, God won't let it happen. So I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it's like, well, what that's if you're cool. wrong? Yeah. What if you're wrong about that? That's why I also like the people that are posting things. They're like, okay, just let's amuse us for a little bit. We play like global warming is real for the next 20 years. Uh -huh. And if it's not, well, guess what? We're wrong. We're fucking dumb people. But in the meantime, now you got clean drinking water, clean air to breathe, some new technology, and just kind of improved your life altogether. So more work for people but, moving uh, into yeah. other industries. But, but we'll call ourselves morons for being wrong. <laughs> Uh, whereas if we look at things from your perspective and so the other thing, so that's weird to me on two levels, right? Because Robert Jeffress will say this kind of stupid shit, but mm -hmm. then he'll also offer things up for evidence of God. Like, uh, how oh, fuck the talking Bush. No, no, that, you know, that you're better to believe that it's better to believe in God and be wrong oh, than the, to not believe. Yeah. In, the, uh, I know what you're talking about. It's that argument. I fucking can't think of the guy's name now. Uh, gotta fix this. Uh, I had other thoughts in my brain head too there when you were taught saying that, then I just completely fucking forgot him. <laughs> Pascal's waiting. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing that drives me nuts is that we hear people like Robert Jeffress, you know, say stuff like this mm -hmm. about the environment, but then also 
use Pascal's wager, you know, that it's better to believe in God and be wrong about that than not believe in him and be wrong about that and face the consequences. Like, why don't you apply that to climate change as well? You fucking asshole. He he needs to. Uh, He just needs to get the fuck out. (laughs) GTFO, Jeffress. Just fucking leave. (laughs) Go the fuck away, why don't you? You douche-nozzled clown. (sighs) I know it's a little bit shorter show this evening, but that will... Well, this time it's not even evening yet. We're recording in the afternoon. No, because because so. you got to go to a play in the evening. Yes, I do have to go to a play in the evening. So, and I've got other stuff going on. So this week's show is a little bit shorter. My apologies for those of you who like the longer episodes, uh, and you're welcome for those of you who like the shorter ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go, though, I want to make sure that we thank our list of Patreon supporters. That's not them. You should also be thanking these people because they. Make sure that you don't have to hear really terrible commercials during the show. Uh, if you would like to join the ranks of these awesome people, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash godless revolution, where you can join and contribute as little as $1 per episode, where you get things like extended episodes, extended outtakes, early release, bonus episodes every now and then, fun stuff. And you can interact with us there on Patreon as well. So I want to make sure that we thank Alan Firth. New Media. Christy Kalbach. Gathius. Steven Andrus. Latimico Pepe. Two Skeptical Chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Nico Gonzalez. Yay, a new patron. Thank you very much, Nico. Uh, Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Brandy Hamrick. Megan Kennedy. The Foz. Jesse Pointner. Bobby Digital. Freethinker215 supports the Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Taylor Grin, Purple Dragon, Captain Samples, and Corey Ebert. Thank you all so, so much. We really appreciate you contributing to the show. And I just want to put that reminder out there that if you want to contribute for the rest of the year, we are are, are donating the proceeds from Patreon to Brandy Hamrick, who is dealing with cancer right now. So Absolutely. Thank you. For, thank the, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's been, a, like I said, it's been a long month this week. Um, <laughs> thank, yeah, thank you for for. Uh, reminding that up again, reminding me. Yeah. Uh, I I put it in the show notes of every episode and, and we'll keep it there, uh, throughout the end of the year, but we are donating 100% of our Patreon, uh, proceeds through the end of the year to Brandy's GoFundMe, uh, to help with bills and shit while she's going through cancer treatment. So we hope you're doing well, Brandy. And, uh, I look forward to sending you some more money here and about a week once that gets transferred to us from Patreon. So So if, if you're a millionaire out there, and you want to donate a million dollars to this show, we won't take a fucking penny of it. Nope. Every penny from that million dollars would go straight to Brandy. So so let's do it, people. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's have a millionaire sign up and say they want to sign up for a million dollars and and we'll give all of that to Brandy. That would be fucking awesome. That would be crazy. I would I would dig every second of that. I actually saw recently there's a a shock uh magician. Mm-hmm. The guy that like he like does all the blood and faints his face all crazy. I thought you were gonna say he like shocks the shit out oh, of people. Oh no. <laughs> his act got stolen. Oh yeah? Like someone broke into his warehouse and stole all of his equipment. Oh wow. So apparently he put out there I saw the video where he put out I was like, Hey, all my shit got stolen. Like he's like everything. All my computer drives, my hardware, all all the stuff I've been working on for the last ten years, gone. Wow. He's like, I can't do my show anymore. I can't travel anymore. He's like, I'm fucking out of work now. Uh, and he put up to do a, hey, I'm just raising money to try to get my kit put back together so I can go back on the road. Someone put $20,000 into his GoFundMe. One person. Oh, wow. And everybody's on there like like commenting like, 
do you think this was like Chris Angel or like Penn and Teller or one of these guys that did this? Because oh, they did it anonymously. Did it, did it anonymously to give yeah. him a, a a good chunk of money to help him get his uh, show back on the road again. Oh, that's awesome. So, but nobody knows who it was. But it's like, holy shit, that's a like. Normally, you're used to seeing like someone twenty five, one hundred, seventy five. Somebody donates a hundred twenty thousand. Like wow, yeah. And this guy donates twenty thousand dollars to him anonymously. He's like, holy fuck, who was that? Wow. So, well, that's pretty cool. That was very generous of them. Uh, but that will do it for us today. And so until next week, crucify Robert Jeffress. Leave a review and God won't raise the water level. <laughs> and rate the show five times a day toward difficult conversations. Ooh. My mom said I'm crazy. Well, we already knew that, right? Yeah. yeah.